Yeah, welcome home. Come on. Who's excited to be in the house of King Jesus tonight? That's good. So good to see you all again. It feels like I haven't gotten to preach with you guys in a long time. It's only been two weeks, which is not that long, but we had fall retreat in there, and we just all bonded so deeply over fall retreat. So it feels like years, and I know you guys have felt the same way. You've been sitting at home. It's like, oh, I miss Pastor Derek and his preaching, right? <laughs> Someone's booed, I think. That's not good. Uh, fun. Before we dive in, I do want to give a little bit of details about those things, those discipleship groups that Noah was just talking about. I'm pretty excited about them. And the reason that we're doing that, we've never done these before, but we wanted to create an opportunity because if you haven't figured it out, you have a two-month-long break, and um, that's a long time. So I, don't, I just love you all too much to be gone from you for two months. So if you're interested in getting to know more about Jesus, as Noah said, or getting to know us better, just let's say God's really worked in your life this semester, and if you're honest, you're a little nervous that it's going to slip away because you won't be in this community, I challenge you to join those discipleship groups. The book's incredible that we're going to cover. You get to hang out with me. I'm hoping to be in all of them. I might not be able to, depending on how many of you guys do, but I'm hoping to, so it should be fun. So anyways, please, please pray and think about that, and if you can't afford the $10, let me know. I'll pay for it. That's, don't let that be something that stops you. Anyways, is that cool? Yeah. This is your first time with us. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really honored that you chose to come to Chi Alpha, and my hope, my prayer for you, if this is your first time, is that you feel at home, that you feel welcomed, not just learn stuff from me and have great worship. We know those are good things too, but my, my real hope in our prayer is that you feel like this can be a family for you and this can be a home away from home. Not only is today Chi Alpha Day, best day of the week, come on, I'm excited about that, but if you didn't know, today is also election day, so yes, woo! So I am not going to preach on politics or the election, yay, amen. If I did that, I think you would all hate me. I think I would take everyone off, so we're not going to do that. But I did want to give you guys a couple thoughts on it. Number one, our citizenship is in the kingdom of God, not the United States. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of God, not the United States. Your most important title is not citizen of the United States. It is not patriot. Your most important title, if you follow Jesus, is you are a child of God. Place more importance on what God is doing in your life and who Jesus is rather than politics. Our hope is not in this country, but our hope is in King Jesus. Number two, God is in control no matter who wins. God is in control no matter who wins. That's good truth. God is still in control. No matter who is in the Oval Office, Jesus is still on the throne. And I think we need to remember that. All hope is not gone no matter who our next president is. Whether it's Biden or Trump, we still have hope because we follow Jesus. So please do not fall into despair if your candidate does not win. I know that's hard. I know some of you are very passionate about this. And that's okay. I was a I had a political science endorsement in my major, so I kind of like politics a little bit. I like it a little bit less now than I used to. But it's okay to be passionate about it. But if your candidate loses, your hope is not in them. Your, candidate is in, or your hope is in King Jesus. Please remember that and do not fall into despair. Third, relationships are more important than political ideals. Relationships are more important than political ideals. Your relationships with each other and other people are more important than your opinions. Do not sacrifice a relationship at the altar of your political leanings. Please value each other and King Jesus over politics. What does that practically mean? It means be nice to people, no matter who they voted for. Okay? Can we do those three things? Can we remember our citizenship is in the kingdom of God, that God is in control no matter who wins, and that our relationships are more important than politics? Can we all do that? Come on. There we go. Amen? Cool. Tonight, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the Holy Spirit specifically the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit is one-third of the Trinity. What is the Trinity? The Trinity is God. So God is three parts. This, gets, this is very confusing. Just hang with me. God is God the Father, like the one you might think of with a white beard, the one who created the universe, God the Father. And then there's God the Son. That's the second part, and that's Jesus. We love Jesus. Can we say Jesus? Jesus. Amen. That's good truth. So we got God Father, God the Son, and then we've got God the Holy Spirit, and that's the third part. And the Holy Spirit's kind of like the crazy uncle, so that's fun. We're going to learn about him tonight. It's a great night with the election and crazy uncle, so hallelujah. Before going on, though, before we dive a little bit deeper into this, I want to tell you the story of my first encounter with any of this, my first experience. So when I was growing up, when I was in middle school specifically, we went to this church, and if I'm honest with you, the church was not super healthy. They did some weird stuff. So I remember I walked into the church, and there's the same old guy who sat in the same spot every time, and when you'd walk in, you'd just hear him be like, like speaking in tongues real loud and like yelling in this weird, like crazy language that no one understood. And I walked, I'm like, what the heck? What is he smoking? What's he doing? That's not good. We're in church. You can't be high in church, somebody. He was not high. He was doing other things. Okay, so he would yell in tongues, and they would get all excited, and like, they'd have like flags and start hitting each other with them. And I'll be honest, it really frightened middle school Derek. I'm like, Mom, Dad, what the frick are you doing? Why are we here? Hear me. What they did does not line up with what the Scripture says in the Holy Spirit. We're a little strange. We're not that strange, okay? No flag hitting, okay? Don't yell at each other in different languages. Let's not do that, okay? Cool. I remember a very specific experience, though. So we were having this, like, Holy Spirit night, kind of like what we're doing on Friday night with this worship night, where we're just going to go and try to encounter Jesus and try to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we were a very small church, so there's only, like, 10 people in there. I wonder why. Anywho, I walk into the room, and I'm sitting there, and I'm really bored, because, again, I'm, like, 11. And the pastor comes up to me, and he's like, Derek, get baptized in the Holy Spirit, start speaking in tongues. And I'm like, well, this is awkward. I don't know how to do that. But I remember that one guy. So I just sat there. I remember so clear. I was like, ba, 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 ba. And the pastor's like, yes, this guy gets it. This kid is spiritual. I'm like, dang right, I'm spiritual. I was very prideful, still struggle with that. But anyways, I had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was saying, ba, 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 speaking some, I don't know what it was. Gibberish would probably be correct. And so this all happened. And to be honest, this really turned me off from like the Holy Spirit kind of stuff. I'm like, those people are messed up. I'm not about to do that. So I was like, I'm out. These people had kind of abused the work of the Holy Spirit, and it took me some time to get over this. We then left that church, praise the good Lord himself. We left that church, and we went to a different church that is a part of the same fellowship that Kyle is, so with the same denomination, same beliefs. So they believed in speaking in tongues. They believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit but in the correct way, or at least I hope the correct way. We believe in order. We believe God is a God of order. We believe in doing things from Scripture, so the biblical backing. And to be honest, though, this church didn't talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit a whole lot. It's not like something they talked about every week. So between middle school and college, I didn't really think about it a whole lot. Then I came to college, I got plugged into Chi Alpha, and I started hearing more about this baptism of the Holy Spirit thing. But my story of when I experience this encounter is a little bit different than a usual one. So most time, when people experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's at like a fall retreat. Maybe that's your story. You're like at a fall retreat or winter conference. These are these things when we come together. We all pursue God together. They're incredible. That's when most people experience this. But for me, I was not in a fall retreat setting. So Taylor, my wife, and I had started dating. And she was a student here at UNI when Kai Alpha had just started. And I was going to school in Minnesota at this time. I was a freshman. She was at a Holy Spirit type night, the kind of thing we're talking about, and for, through Chi Alpha, and she's seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
While she's doing that, I'm in Minnesota. I'm with my small group leaders. I went to Chi Alpha as well as a freshman. Amen. And I was with my small group leaders playing video games. And she called me and she's like, Derek, guess what? I'm like, what? I got to get back to my game. And she's like, I just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And on the phone, I was the perfect boyfriend. I'm like, honey, that's so wonderful. Praise the Lord. He encountered you. Yes, Jesus. Amen. And so that's what I was saying. I was a good boyfriend on the outside. Then I hung up and then maybe hung off like five more minutes and then I left. The reason I left was because, to be honest, I was really mad. So I was mad at her for getting baptized in the Holy Spirit before me. I'm a very competitive person. Everything I do, very competitive. Don't you amen me. (laughs) You watch yourself. Anyways, uh, I was ticked. I'm like, what the heck? How did she get this before me? Again, I was very sinful, very flawed, still am. I think I was a little worse as a freshman, so please have grace for me. I was stupid. There's grace for us all. Anyways, I'm driving home, and I'm like, God, I want this experience. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My, my girlfriend got it. Now it's my turn. And then I drive, and I went to school in downtown Minneapolis, and our, the parking lot was right in downtown Minneapolis. So I park my car, and I sit there, and I start praying. I'm saying, God, I want more of you. God, I want this experience. God, I want something different. And it took a little bit. I prayed for a long time. Not exactly sure how long. I think around four hours, but I'm not exactly sure. So I'm sitting there praying. I'm worshiping. I'm crying out to God. And then eventually, I just start speaking in tongues or this random language that I didn't understand. It wasn't like, I wasn't like speaking in Chinese or something like that, but I was just speaking something I didn't really understand. And I felt the presence of God in a more real way than I think I'd ever before. It just kind of flooded over me. I felt so much grace and so much love from Jesus. In that moment, I really felt God confirm to me that I'm supposed to transfer to you and I and come be a part of Chi Alpha. It was cool. It was a pretty fun time. However, looking back, I was in a parking lot surrounded by other people. So I was sitting there like, yeah, Jesus, all pumped up, praying, speaking in tongues, worshiping. And people are walking by me in the, like, who just parked me to go back to their dorm. And looking back, they probably thought I was like a crazy person or like I was drunk or something. So I mean, they're like, yeah, and they're just trying to go home and go to bed. So that was fun. That's kind of weird looking back. But it's fun. Something else I think is very interesting. So for me, my walk with Jesus has not been about specific moments. Some people have like a rock bottom where like they go and they do some, some stupid stuff maybe the night before. They wake up the next day and they realize, crap, I've messed up. And they have a moment where things click and they start running after Jesus. For me, that's not been my story. I'm not a very much a moments person. My, my walk with Jesus has been more about a process, taking slow steps to get a little bit closer to Jesus, a little bit closer to Jesus, doing little things at a time. So my whole life has been a process except this one event. This is the one event I can point to that was like a specific time where things changed. Just interesting. It's like the only light bulb moment I've had in my life. I think many of us are kind of like I was as a freshman. We want more of Jesus. We want more of the Holy Spirit. Hopefully not to be competitive with your significant other. If that's you, I'll pray for your salvation later. Anyways, but we want to grow. We want something more. We're ready for more as our series has been talking about. However, I think our response to wanting more, specifically when we want more of God, is that I'm going to work harder. We think if I just work hard to love Jesus more, if I just will myself, if I just get angry and yell at myself in the mirror, I will start loving Jesus more. While working hard and being disciplined is very important to a deep relationship with Jesus, hear me, discipline is very important. We cannot will ourselves to more of God. We have to rely on Him. As we try to do it on our own, we just get exhausted. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I get really tired and I get really exhausted. Maybe you want to make disciples. 
Maybe you came to Fall Retreat and it lit a fire inside of you and you're like, yes, I want to reach this campus. Come on, somebody. We're excited to make disciples. We're ready to conquer the world, but you're not sure how. Maybe you're here and you just want to overcome some sin struggles. Maybe there's an addiction in your life. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. Maybe you're addicted to smoking marijuana. Maybe you're addicted to just being mean and angry. Maybe you're addicted to greed. Maybe there's some kind of sin in your life that has a stronghold over you. And every night you're just like, please, God, help me get over this. Why can I not break this chain off my life? Or maybe you just want to be a little bit more bold. Maybe you want to tell your friends about Jesus and you want to not get scared when you get ready to bring Chi Alpha up or get ready to bring Jesus up. Or maybe you're here and you just want to have a good break. Maybe God has done some really cool things in your life this semester. And if you're honest, you're a little scared it's all going to fall away over break. That you're going to go back to the way you were in high school maybe or maybe in your old college or something like that. Maybe you're scared you're going to fall back into some bad habits. We need something to help us with all of this. We need help making disciples, overcoming sin, being bold, and staying strong in the face of opposition. Tonight we're starting our last series of fall 2020. We made it, hallelujah. God did not get us out, kicked out of here yet. I'm so excited. COVID did not win this one. This last series is called More Power. We're going to look at how we need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of worship, and the power of prayer to become more intimate with Jesus. Intimacy with Jesus is not only the key to growing closer to him in general, but that's definitely how you're going to have a good break. If you are not intimate with Jesus over break, to be honest, I don't think you'll grow. And if I'm really honest, if you're not intimate with Jesus over break, I would venture to guess you'll fall back into some old habits. I'd venture to guess that the growth you made this semester might go away a little bit. When you're out of community and you don't get to come here every Tuesday night and you're off campus, the way that you stay connected to God is through intimacy. We must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit on worship and prayer if we want to have a successful break. Tonight we're going to read from the book of Acts. The book of Acts is just the story of the early church, the first Jesus followers. And we're going to read what Jesus told his followers after he had already died. So Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Amen. That's good truth. And then he rose again. He came back to life and he defeated death. And then he hung out with his disciples for 40 days. A couple weeks ago, we talked about one thing that Jesus told them, which was to go and make disciples, which is our cry here at Chi Alpha. But that's not the only thing he told them. He told them something else. He gave them the key to succeeding without him. So that's in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. If you have your Bible, you can turn to that. If not, it'll be on the, oh, it's already on the screen. Mm. Let's give Bethany a round of applause. She's doing the computer tonight. She's incredible. Amen. Buy her a gift card or something. Thank the Lord. Yeah. All right, Acts 1, 4 through 8. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you now at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. Listen to verse 8, please. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus, we love you so much. I pray that you speak through me. God, I pray that we get a better understanding of the Holy Spirit and who you are, God. And I pray for our country tonight. Jesus, let your will be done. In your name, amen. Amen. One big thing for you to take away tonight is this. We have access. We have access to the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have access to the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 4 of what we just read, Jesus tells the disciples to wait for the promise of the Father. Before going on, quick thing, Jesus said to wait. Patience is good, people. Sometimes we need to wait. He told them to go to Jerusalem. He said, pray, wait on me. 
Maybe God's calling you to wait on him for something. Anyways, they were to wait for the promise of the Father. Earlier in Jesus' life, he had talked about this promise. He had explained what the promise was. So they knew what he was talking about. See, in John chapter 14, John's just a book that tells the story of Jesus. In John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples about this promise. So in John 14, 15 through 18, it says this. If you love me, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus promises that the Father is going to send a helper. The helper is the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's a helper. If you remember, we've talked about this a few weeks. The New Testament was written in a different language. It was written in Greek. And so the Greek word for our English word helper, so what we say helper, the Greeks say parakletos. Parakletos. What does that word mean? It means someone who pleads another's cause. It means a helper, an aid, an advocate, and a comforter. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He advocates for you and he comforts you. If you call Jesus Lord, if you are a Christian and you believe in God, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's a separate thing. Okay? There's two pieces to this. If you believe in Jesus, though, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So this helper is yours. This helper is for all believers. Everyone can have the promise of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit help us with? The book of John gives us four things that the Holy Spirit helps us with. Number one is it helps us love and obey Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us love and obey Jesus. John 14, 15 through 16 says that if we love Jesus, we will obey him. The Holy Spirit helps us do that. I don't know about you guys, but on my own, I cannot obey Jesus. Jesus tells me to love my enemies, and I don't want to love my enemies on my own. Jesus tells me not to get angry, and I don't want to not get angry on my own. I need the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. On our own, we are simply too flawed to follow Jesus. We cannot obey his commandments on our own. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us with that. Second, the Holy Spirit helps us remember the commandments of Jesus. Helps us remember the commandments of Jesus. John 14, 26 says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance. This is why we challenge you to read the Bible every day. If you've been in Kyle for a little bit, your small group leader has hopefully told you you should read the Bible every day. If not, I'm going to tell you, read the Bible every day. Am I going to say that every time you read the Bible, you sit down and open it, you're going to get something really good from it? No, that would be a lie. Okay, you're not going to always know what you're reading. First, like two times I read the Bible, I was super confused. But, according to this passage in John 14, it says the Holy Spirit can bring to remembrance things. So if you store truth in you by reading it, if you read the truth, you're putting it inside of you. You're like storing it in like a little safety box in your gut. And if it's stored there, the Holy Spirit can go get it. The Holy Spirit can bring to remembrance what you need when you need it. But if you don't read the truth, there's nothing for the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance because you don't know it. So that's why we are called to read the Bible every single day. This happens a lot. I'll be meeting with a student and the Holy Spirit will put a verse or some truth in my heart or in my brain and say, share this with the student. Maybe I read that verse weeks ago, and maybe I didn't need it in that moment. Maybe I don't, when I read it, I'm like, oh, that's nice, and kept going. But the Holy Spirit brought it to me when I needed it. That's why we need to consistently put the truth of God in our hearts by reading the Bible every day and developing what we call around here real devotion. Not only does the helper do these things, he also 
gives us peace and comfort. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The Holy Spirit gives us peace even when it doesn't make sense. On our own, we are scared, we're anxious, troubled, and nervous, but the Holy Spirit can give us supernatural peace in moments of chaos. If your life seems to be a little chaotic and you seem to be stressed and anxious a lot, I challenge you to pursue the Holy Spirit because he can give you supernatural peace that makes no sense. Finally, after he helps us to obey, remember, and to have peace, the Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. Conviction is when we realize we are doing something wrong or sinful. Isn't that fun? Aren't we thankful for conviction when we realize we messed up? Yeah. You know that feeling in your gut when you're like, dang it. That's usually the Holy Spirit. But hear me on this. If your gut is telling you that something is okay, like you're like the Holy Spirit, you feel like it's telling you this is okay, but the Bible says it's not okay, your gut is wrong. The Bible is always right. Your gut is not. Sometimes we think it's the Holy Spirit. Like, okay, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me I can cheat on this test. I feel it in my bones. Small group leader, they told me to trust the Holy Spirit. I can cheat. No, you may not cheat. That feeling in your gut is called anxiety from not studying. It's not the Holy Spirit. Do not give him credit for your mishaps, please and thank you. However, if your conscience or your feelings or this gut feeling inside of you makes you realize you messed up and it aligns with what the Bible says, like let's say you look at something on the internet you're not supposed to and then you feel bad, that's the Holy Spirit. If it aligns with the Bible and it's convicting you, it's the Holy Spirit. John 16, 8 says this, and when he comes, as in the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That's how we know when it's wrong is the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and convicts us. I get convicted a lot. Anyways, a few years ago, my brother, Daniel, who's the pastor of Scent Church, so Daniel, myself, and a few Chi Alpha guys, we were playing basketball in the WRC. Daniel, Jacob Enos up here, the wise guy cracking jokes, and myself, we were all on the same team. And we, we had the ball. And if we scored the next bucket, we win. We were at 19 points, I believe, and you get, if you get 21, you win. So I'm dribbling the ball down the court. And let me give you a little backstory before I go in. Okay, Daniel and I, we're not that good at basketball, okay? We're not coordinated. We're not athletic people. We like to read books. But I like playing basketball. It's not very good at it. Jacob, on the other hand, is pretty good at basketball. Not as good as sometimes he thinks. I'm just kidding. Jacob's wonderful. Jacob's a very good basketball player, and Daniel and I are not. So I'm dribbling the ball down the court, and I look over, and I can picture it in my brain still. Daniel is at the the three-point line, and he's wide open. But I know something in my head. I know if I give Daniel the ball, he will shoot it. Daniel does not pass the ball. He will shoot the ball. And then there's Jacob on the other side. He's got someone guarding him. However, I like, I'm a very mathematical person. I think of logically, what's going to help? So I think the odds of Daniel making a wide open shot are still less than the odds of Jacob making a covered shot. My odds are better giving it to Jacob, who might lose the ball and who's covered, than giving it to Daniel, who's wide open. I love Daniel, but that's the truth. So I make the smart basketball play, and I pass it over to Jacob. Jacob, I don't remember what happens, I think turns it over, something bad happens. They get the ball, and they score, and they win. Daniel was so mad at me. He looked at me, and I saw the fire of God in his eyes. He comes screaming at me. He's like, ready to, he's, got like his, he's like ready to put hands up. He's ready to fight me. 
And usually in these situations, a little backstory, Daniel's a little bit more of a, a little more aggressive guy than I am. I'm pretty calm usually. I like to bite my tongue. Daniel does not. So usually in these moments, I back away. I'm like, you know what, Daniel, I'm sorry. Not this time. I was mad. I made the right basketball play. He would have definitely missed the shot. So I come screaming back at him like, no, you're wrong. I made the right play. And we start screaming at each other, fighting. Then I look around, and there's all our Chi Alpha students who are thinking, are our pastors about to throw hands right now? Hmm. I think they were pretty shocked. Needless to say, I felt like an idiot afterwards. I did not rely on the Holy Spirit. I did not love and obey Jesus. I did not remember the good teachings of the Bible, such as Matthew 5, 21 through 22, that says this, you have heard it, that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. It gets better, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Mm, good truth. Or the wonderful Psalm 133 that says this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. The Holy Spirit did not bring those verses to remembrance in the moment of our basketball game. Not only did I not remember these teachings of Scripture that I had certainly read within the past year, I also did not listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, Derek, don't fight your brother right now. Your students are all around you. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a jerk. I will say this, though. Although in the moment neither Daniel nor I listened to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, afterwards we felt very convicted. Daniel was so convicted, and this is something I love about him, he called every person we were playing with to apologize. He's like, I'm sorry, I messed up, man. I shouldn't have yelled at Derek. He called them all because he's very sweet, so that's good. Praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit. All right, Jesus first tells them that they will receive the, that they will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit, and then he goes into the power. So Jesus says, you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8 of Acts 1, or of Acts 1, like we were talking about, says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Before continuing on, I want to say that you do not have to agree with me with what I'm going to say next to get to spend eternity with Jesus. There are plenty of Jesus followers who do not agree with what we think in regards to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's okay. This is just the conclusions I've come to and people in our fellowship have come to after reading the Bible. Am I 100% correct on all of this? Definitely not. It's a very confusing topic. Anyways, we think that the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is promising in verse 8 is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, before we continue on, is very different than this thing called water baptism. You know water baptism, when you get into a tank and you dunk someone, they come up and they celebrate and they're excited. The water baptism, what that is, that's when you decide, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be a born-again Christian. I'm going to go all in with Jesus. So I, you get water baptized to show that publicly in front of your friends and family in your church, that you're all in with God. That's water baptism, okay? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate thing. It has nothing to do with water. This is an event that happens after you give your life to Jesus. So you've already been following Jesus, and this event is available to every follower of God. And it's just when you encounter the Holy Spirit in a new way, and you're overflowed with the Holy Spirit. The evidence that this event has happened so how do you know you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? You speak in this thing called tongues. Or it's just like a different language. So there's two options. That language could be an earthly language. Like you start speaking in French, even though you don't know French. That would be cool. But the other option, and to be honest, which is more likely, which is what we see usually, is you speak in this kind of heavenly language. That doesn't really make sense to you, but just something between you and the Holy Spirit. Just you guys, just not a lot of words usually, but just a few things between you and the Holy Spirit that you don't understand, that you don't make up in your head, but it comes to you from the Holy Spirit. So it's not always like you're speaking a different language from a different part of the 
world, sometimes just something unique to you and the Holy Spirit. Please remember that with tongues. In order to experience this event, in order to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can't just say, I want to speak in tongues. That sounds cool. I'd like to do that. Or I want to have some spiritual gift. Or I want to be better than other Christians. Something like that. That's not right. The way and the reason you pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because you want deeper intimacy with Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus. It's not about some special gift or some fancy toy to show off. It's all about wanting to know Jesus better. The Holy Spirit is about greater intimacy with Jesus. It is not about an experience. Finally, this experience does not make you better than other believers. Just because you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not make you better. For example, there's this guy named Billy Graham. He was an evangelist or someone who preached to a lot of people, and he led thousands of people to Jesus. He did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I do. Am I better than Billy Graham at preaching? No, not at all. Okay? But the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not make me better than Billy Graham, but it makes me better than I was before. It's not to be better than other people, just be a better version of yourself. So when you are saved, when you give your life to Jesus, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. It comes inside of you. If you'll show the first video to ex- show this. The Coke is the Holy Spirit. You are the jar. This is when you're saved, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that nice? It's not overflowing. It's just nice and in there. Victor did a great job. So that's wonderful. All right. We can stop this video. Maybe not. Maybe it'll keep going forever. There we go. So that's what happens when you're saved and you give your life to Jesus. Now let me show you what happens when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you'll show this, the next video. What? Hold on. Lexi's still not ready. I don't know how to do it. The Coke is again the Holy Spirit. Ready? Three, two, one. (laughs) What? Hold on. That is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like, Okay. So it's like you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, and this, and this event happens where like Jesus is popping Mentos inside of you, and then you explode with the Holy Spirit, and that explosion, that overflow is speaking in tongues. It's flowing out of you through tongues, through a prayer language. So everyone has the Holy Spirit inside of them, like just like the Coke bottle is full, but when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's like throwing Mentos in and it's overflowing. Let's give our interns a round of applause for doing that video. So this happens in the Bible quite often. We don't just believe it. We didn't make this up. This comes from Scripture. So I want to show you where. The first instance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is in Acts chapter 2. So in Acts chapter 1, as we've been reading this evening, Jesus tells the disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then the disciples go to this thing called the upper room, just like they're hanging out. They're praying a ton, and they wait on God. They're worshiping and praying together for a long time, and then Acts 2 happens. What happens in Acts 2? Acts 2 describes a supernatural event that happened. It's called Pentecost, Okay. Pentecost, and I'm getting a little book for you. This will be fun. So at Pentecost, it's when the disciples were first baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 describes Pentecost when the disciples were first baptized in the Holy Spirit. What happened is as they're they're praying and seeking God, this sounds like rushing wind occur. Tongues of fire appear over their heads. I don't know what that looks like, but that sounds fun. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Mentos pops in, and then they start speaking in tongues. So for the disciples... They were in an interesting situation, though. They were in Jerusalem, which is a city, and they were actually surrounded by people from other countries. The reason was is Pentecost was actually this festival where people from all across like, the area would come. So there's people from different countries with the disciples. And then the disciples are in this room, and they start speaking in weird languages. And these people that are from other countries 
are like, wait, how do they know my language? They're speaking in other earthly languages, and they're really confused because they were not learned enough people to have known these other languages. It was only a supernatural event that could have led to that. So this is an instance of tongues being an earthly language. Again, that's not usually what we see, but that's one, one that happens in Acts 2. So in Acts 2, the disciples are baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. Then in Acts chapter 8, the Samaritans are baptized in the Holy Spirit. So just a different group. There's other groups that happens a second time. In Acts chapter 8, you'll talk a little bit more about that in small groups. I won't dive into that anyways. But in Acts chapter 8, another group is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, that's the guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament. We talk about him quite a bit here at Chi Alpha. He meets Jesus, and he's baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 9. So that's the third time. Then in Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles, the Gentiles are just like the non-Jewish people. So in that, this time, Jewish people were God's chosen people. That's a very confusing thing. We won't go down that rabbit hole. But it's a different group. They're non-Jewish, the people that they thought were not the people of God, but then Jesus came and changed that, and Jesus said, no, there's not one group of people that are people of God. No, I want to give access to everyone on the entire planet. Thank the Lord, because I don't think anyone in here is Jewish. So we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. So that's cool. Anyways, Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles are baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we get another group. And then finally in Acts chapter 19, the Ephesians, which is just a city, it's a church, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's another instance of Gentiles or non-Jewish people being baptized. So we see it in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 8, 9, 10, and 19. Five times people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And really quick before I go on, these five passages are also why we think that the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. This is why we think speaking in tongues is what proves you've been baptized. Why? In Acts chapter 2, the disciples are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then they speak in tongues immediately. That's when they're speaking those other languages. Then we go to Acts chapter 8, and again, you're going to talk about this in smaller, but in Acts chapter 8, there's an obvious outward sign. Something happens because someone tries to buy this power. They're trying to buy the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So clearly something happened for him to know. They just weren't praying and saying, we just got more of God. Something outward had to happen, or else he wouldn't have known to try to buy something. We think because of the other passages that this was speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 9 is when Paul was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't say he immediately spoke in tongues, but we do know that Paul spoke in tongues because later on in the Bible, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Again, it doesn't say right there immediately, but we can conclude because of the next two chapters. In Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19, the fourth and fifth instance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues immediately. So Acts 2, 10, and 19, it's immediate, and 8 and 9, we can conclude that. So that is why we believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit the initial evidence of that is speaking in tongues. If you have any questions about that, please ask me. Like now, right now, that'd be kind of awkward, but later, be good. So biblically speaking, we built this case. There's this event called the baptism of the Holy Spirit that can happen to you. It's available to you where you experience more of Jesus. You just get flooded with the Holy Spirit, and then you speak in tongues. That's awesome. We've got the biblical backing. Why should you care? We just finished our More Calling series. We talked about how we are called to make disciples how there are 10,000 students at the University of Northern Iowa who do not follow King Jesus. And we want to change that. My goal for you is that every person in this room becomes a disciple maker, where you are leading people who lead people who lead people to Jesus. However, on our own, we do not simply have the power necessary to reach these 10,000 students. I remember this very vivid story from my early years in college. So again, I was in the WRC. Good things don't happen there, it seems like, for me. Everyone else has fun, though. I'm in the WRC, I'm again playing basketball, this time by myself, I'm in the lower courts, I'm in the far right corner, this guy's in the top left corner, so I'm sitting there shooting baskets, and this guy walks in and starts shooting in a different court, and I feel very strongly the Holy Spirit telling me to go talk to him. The Holy Spirit is telling me, Derek, go speak to him about me, 
go tell him about Jesus. I don't know if I felt the Holy Spirit's voice that loud in my head ever before in my life. He very clearly told me what to do. It was clear that the Holy Spirit was telling me this student could be a world changer, that this student could change his campus, and I could be the bridge between him and eternity with Jesus. However, I didn't do it. I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. I was too scared. On my own, I am very weak and I am very shy. I just kept shooting and I eventually left without talking to him. This guy could have been one conversation away from Jesus. And I blew my chance. And I wanted to be a pastor. This reminds me of my friend Peter. So when Jesus lived on earth, his top disciple was this guy named Peter. Peter was not only his disciple, Peter was also one of his closest friends. However, as Jesus was arrested and put on trial and eventually killed, Peter stood by and did nothing. So what happened? Jesus is arrested, he goes on trial, and then this trial's happening, and Peter's in this court watching the trial. And then a little girl comes up to him, and a little girl says, hey, don't you know that guy? Aren't you friends with him? I think I saw you with him. And what does Peter do to his best friend, the person he knows is the Messiah? He has claimed that Jesus is God himself. What does he do? He says, no, I don't know who that is. Get away from me. Back away from me. He does not only do this one time, he does this three times. Peter, Jesus' closest friend, who had seen him perform miracles, who had seen him feed 5,000 people with like four loaves of bread, who had seen him open the eyes of the blind, couldn't even say he was his friend to a little girl. If you ask me, that sounds like a coward. Fast forward. So Jesus goes on trial. He goes to the cross. He's killed. He rises again. He spends time with his disciples. He teaches them a little bit. Then he leaves the disciples. And then this event called Pentecost happens in Acts chapter 2 where the disciples are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and are baptized in the Holy Spirit. What happens immediately after that is Peter the same guy who denied Jesus to his little girl gets on top of a stage and he looks at the people around him, this big festival, and he preaches at them. Does he preach to them, God loves you so much and there's so much grace for you and just this, like, this lovely message? No. What he does, he gets on top of a pulpit and he says, you killed Jesus. You killed the King of Kings. You killed God himself. You killed the Messiah. And after his sermon... He tells them to repent. He says, turn away from your wicked ways and start following Jesus. Then 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. 3,000 people started following Jesus after the sermon. So this man, Peter, who could not accept Jesus as his friend to a little girl, gets on a stage and preaches and thousands of people come to know the name of Jesus. Logically, something had to change. And scripturally, we think it is he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is much different than the Peter that denied knowing Jesus to a little girl. Something had to change in between those times, and I and many others think it's what Acts 1-8 was talking about. On my own, I'm not bold at all. Bold at all. I need the Holy Spirit to be bold enough to proclaim the name of Jesus. There's hope. Acts 1-8 tells us that we will receive power from the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then we will be his witnesses. The worship team will come up. This is why we seek the Holy Spirit baptism. We don't seek it because it sounds cool. We don't seek it because we want to have the heebie-jeebies or we want to have some really cool feeling with God. That's fun. I like when I get the goosebumps. That's fun. But that's not why we seek this. 
But we seek this experience because on our own, we are very weak. I guess I don't know about you guys. On my own, I'm very weak. And I fail a lot. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help embolden me to reach this campus. We are called to be witnesses to this world. Let's put it this way. Acts 1.8 says this. But you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit, and you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem. What was Jerusalem? Jerusalem was the city the disciples were in. What is our Jerusalem? It's you and I, the University of Northern Iowa. So we will receive power from the Holy Spirit, and then we will be witnesses to the University of Northern Iowa. If we want to be witnesses and be bold for King Jesus, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't stop there, though. But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and to Judea and all of Samaria. Judea and Samaria were the cities that were closest to Jerusalem. Okay? We want to reach you and I. But we don't want to stop there. But you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. You'll be my witnesses to the University of Northern Iowa, to the University of Iowa, to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. University of Nebraska-Lincoln does not have a Chi Alpha. There is no one there proclaiming the name of King Jesus on that campus. On our own, we cannot do this. But because of King Jesus, if we will rely on the Holy Spirit, one of you might be called to go plant a Chi Alpha at the University of Nebraska. On your own, you will fail miserably. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can see that campus changed. So we are not only called to reach you and I, we are called to reach the University of Iowa. There's a Chi Alpha there, but they need help. It's one girl trying to do it by herself, and she needs help. Maybe you're called to go there and help her. Maybe you're called to go to Iowa State. Maybe you're called to go to Upper Iowa University. Maybe you're just called to reach Hawkeye Community College. There are regions around us that need the name of Jesus proclaimed, and on our own, we are not good enough. But we want to become a Chi Alpha that plants 30 Chi Alphas in the next 30 years, and the only way this is going to happen is if we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem and to all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. My prayer is that I send some of you away to go overseas and to be missionaries. I love you all very much. My prayer is that I send you all out to go and reach the world for King Jesus. And the only way we can do this is with the power of the Holy Spirit because on our own we are weak. But we will receive power from the Holy Spirit. So what are we to do? How do we reach the world? How do we reach this campus? How do you reach your roommate? We seek King Jesus. We aren't to seek power. We don't seek prestige. We do not seek an experience. We seek King Jesus. We desire deep intimacy with him. We let him pour out the power of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Because if you come in saying, I want to speak in tongues, probably won't speak in tongues. But if you come in and say, I need you, Jesus. I need more. King Jesus, I am ready for more. Watch what he does in your life. If you'll stand with me. We are called to wait for the promises and the power of the Holy Spirit, just like the disciples. We are to make disciples and to be like the disciples. Maybe you're here and you just started following Jesus this year. Maybe Kyle has really been the first time or the first place that you've been devoted to Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. I'm so thankful for you. But you have access to the promise of the Holy Spirit. Let him convict you. When you feel bad about something that aligns with the Bible, change it. Quit doing it. Read the Bible every day so you can understand more truth so that the Holy Spirit can bring remembrance to you that truth later when you need it. Let him change your life. 
Seek more of Jesus and be open to whatever experiences God wants to give to you. That might be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Seek that. That's amazing. That can be in your room. That can be here tonight right after I'm done. That can be in the shower. That can be in your car. Maybe it'll be at the worship night this Friday night at Scent. Seek more of Jesus. Seek the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you were baptized in the Holy Spirit of Fall Retreat. Maybe you spoke in tongues and you experienced this event and you're really confused. That's okay. I'm still confused about it. Here's my encouragement to you, though. Talk to your leaders. Let them walk through it with you. And also, if you did experience this, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I challenge you to speak in tongues. You have to exercise this gift if you want it to grow. Just like with any new language, if you don't try it, it won't get better. So my challenge to you is to speak five minutes in your prayer language every day and see what God does. You might only know two words. It might be one word. Say it over and over again. Pray to God. Seek more of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you've been following Jesus a long time. Maybe you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit for years. Again, seek more Jesus. Ask for more power. Ask for boldness. Because if you've been following Jesus for a long time, you've been following Jesus for five minutes, you are called to go make disciples of all nations. Pray for boldness to go do that. Let's not be people who sit scared to bring up King Jesus in our classrooms, but instead are boldened by the Holy Spirit to reach the nations. Be a witness. Or possibly you don't follow Jesus at all, and you're super confused tonight. That's okay too. Here's what I want you to know. If you don't follow Jesus, I want you to know one thing. That God loves you very, very much. And he just wants to be your helper. He wants to fill you with the Coke bottle, just like Victor did. He wants to give you peace. He wants to be your advocate. He wants to be your friend. The Holy Spirit just wants to be your friend and wants to love you and wants to be there for you. We all have access to the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have access to the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that incredible? That we have such an incredible opportunity to pursue Jesus and receive more. So I'm not saying that you have to agree with me on this. I'm not saying that you have to accept this opportunity. I'm not saying you must receive the power of the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. No, I'm saying you have an opportunity. It is up to you what you do with it. You don't have to pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it's just another free gift that God wants to give you. I want you to think of it's not like the ice cream. Following Jesus, reading your Bible, real devotion, that's the ice cream. This is just the hot fudge on top. Makes it a little bit more fun. At least for me, I like chocolate a lot. Anyways, we will pursue more power from the Holy Spirit, and we can access this power through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Again, this is not about an experience, a feeling, or an emotion, but this is just about wanting more of Jesus so we can be his witnesses. And you reach Jerusalem, or you and I, Judea and Samaria, or the near colleges, and to the ends of the earth. If you guys will all close your eyes and bow your heads, I have two questions for you. First of all, if you're in here and you don't follow Jesus, and you want to change that, if you want this helper, if you want this friend, this advocate, I want to give you an opportunity to accept that call right here, right now. No one's looking around. But I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and just say, I'm all in for Jesus. With every eye closed, count to three. If you want to give your life to Jesus, one, two, three. See those hands. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, King Jesus. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Jesus, I thank you for my new friends. I thank you for my new family members in your kingdom, Father. And I pray that you fill them with the promise of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you change their lives and you embolden them to reach the nations, but also that you show them how loved they are by you, Father. I thank you for my new family members. In your name, amen.
Amen. That's good truth. You are in the kingdom of God. Way better than the kingdom of America. Anyways. My second question for you is this. If you want to receive more of Jesus, whether that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whether it's just getting more of the Holy Spirit in general, what I want you to do is we're going to go into this song, and I just want you to raise your hands. You can raise your hands right now and say, Jesus, I'm in. We don't raise our hands just to do something. We raise our hands to say, I surrender, God. Whatever you want from me, it's yours. So if that's you, if you want more of Jesus, more of the Holy Spirit, raise your hands right now, and we're going to sing that song together.